what's up guys, I want to say thank you as always for listening and also take this time to announce that after this current season, season four, the travel series, Josiah's voice resumes its regularly scheduled programming. We're going back to the movies, y'all. So season five will be short and sweet, beginning in October with weekly episodes. I'll be talking with filmmakers from Baltimore to LA about movie magic, as well as catching you up on what I've been up to creatively. Finally, the plan for season six is to begin in November with new episodes every other week. Going forward, the show will be celebrating and focusing on black filmmaking as I continue to chronicle my career and those of filmmakers I think you should know about from the States and abroad. Stay tuned. All of this and more is coming soon. Thanks for listening, guys. Hey everybody, a brief disclaimer, apologies for some of the audio quality, Zoom or some other tech issue affected my audio. I cleaned it up as best I could though because my guest today has some amazing insights. I think you'll really like her, so without further delay, let's get into today's episode. Hello, you're listening to Josiah's Voice. I'm your host, Josiah Bradley. In this conversational podcast, I invite you on my journey through TV, film, and writing. Plus, fellow artists visit with me to share their own unique creative voices along the way. Tune in and get inspired. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Josiah. Welcome to another episode of Josiah's Voice, the podcast. Really excited to talk to this new guest. Um, a lot of new people outside of my circle have been really gracious and really cool enough to want to talk to me about uh, their artistic process, their business practices, and this season, their international travel adventures. And this woman, my family and I stumbled across her channel when we were researching coming out here to Rwanda. She also spent some time here with her family. And I'm really excited for her to be on to tell us about uh, everything she's been up to, to also share her traveling tips and business practices with all of you who are uh, aspiring entrepreneurs and also who want to travel outside of the country, um, who especially want to come to Africa. So uh, she goes by Melanin Migration on YouTube, uh, but her friends and family know her as Rukia McNair. And I just want to say... Thank you for coming on. Welcome, Rukia. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Let's jump right on in. Can you tell the listeners uh, okay. a little bit about where you're from? Just a little bit about where you stayed mm-hmm. and what you do. Um, I am originally from a small suburb outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, by the name of Oakdale. I am currently in Accra, Ghana, and I have a business called Melanin Migration. Um, it started off as, you know, uh, workbooks, and then it just kind of evolved into consulting and, and some other things. Nice. 
Did you travel mm-hmm. a lot growing up? I did. I, I did. Actually, my father used to work. He retired from U.S. Airways. So, you know, when you have a parent that works for the airline, you get to fly for free. So, you know, we got to do a, quite a bit of traveling um, growing up. We didn't go like uh, very far. We did go to the islands, you know, Jamaica, Bahamas, like that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, you know, we did a lot of camping as well. So, yeah, I had, I had a variety of like travel options, you know, and experiences growing up. Yeah. Yes. Cool. So it was already in your blood. That's <laughs> yeah, it was great. Fun. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's cool. You had a lot of good things, I think, to say about Thailand. Is that right? Of course. Yes. <laughs> what was yeah. time like there? Um, Thailand was amazing. And, you know, I, f- I feel like had we not run into some visa problems there, we'd probably still be there. Okay. Um, it was people were very we were in northern Thailand. So we were in Chiang Mai. Um, okay. There, people were very welcoming, um, very kind. At that time, the cost of living was extremely low. Uh, so we were able to have, you know, a very uh, nice house and, you know, you're able to eat well. And uh, the food there is very healthy for you. And, you know, it's easy to get around. They have a train system there. So you can hop on the train for at that time. It might have been like a dollar or two, you know, wow. to get around Thailand. So it was really, really nice. Yeah, it was really nice. And how long were you guys there? Uh, I think we were there a little longer than a year, maybe like a year and a half or something like that. About a year, year and a half. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Wow. And then, mm-hmm. and so what inspired you to move to the continent of Africa? Had you been there before or when you did move, was it your first time? It was our, it was the first time uh, me and the kids have been to Africa, but that was always the plan. Okay. After we got done with Southeast Asia. So I had lived in um, Indonesia for a while. I was in Jakarta and Bali. We had, you know, we've been all over that. At some point, we were going to end up on the continent. And I knew once I got here that I was not going to want to leave. So I kind of saved it for last. So, so we went from Thailand to Rwanda um, mm-hmm. for a few months. And then um, after Rwanda, I had to to go back to Bali. I used to have a business there, a retail okay. uh, business. So I had to go close close that close that out. The plan was to stay there for a year or so, but due to the earthquakes, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, there were some pretty heavy earthquakes in Bali. And um, one of the islands, um, mm. I think about 200 people died. Oh, so wow. we were there around that time. And so, yeah, so we ended up leaving a little early. And okay. we were, the plan was to go back to Kigali. But I said, well, let's stop in Tanzania on the way. I want to see the coast. You know, the kids haven't seen the African coastline anywhere. So we ended up going to Tanzania and staying for four years. So that's how we ended up in Tanzania. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. Can you relive maybe a highlight or two that you remember living in Tanzania? Oh, of course. Um, hmm. (laughs) I'm like, which one? Uh, I think one of the highlights was definitely Zanzibar. I've been there several times, but generally, generally speaking, Zanzibar, uh, Stone Town is just one of my favorite places. Yeah, it's really nice. You know, it's similar to if anyone is if you've been to Old San Juan, Puerto Rico, it's kind of has like that kind of vibe. It's like an old town, very nice. So I would definitely say all the times I've been to Zanzibar were amazing. I think I would I'll keep that. I mean, because just yeah. living in Dar on its own was a, a wonderful experience. Just being, being able to have a house like right on the water, yes. you know, right next to the water. 
just it was just everything was just so it was just really beautiful really nice that's cool yeah, yeah. i that's definitely I'll, yeah. I'll add san you said san juan i'll add that to my yeah, bucket old, list yeah old san juan old san juan yeah. that's my bucket list and of course tanzania yeah. my family had mm-hmm. looked at that uh as well um and still definitely yeah. want want to visit so that's so wow few years yeah. in tanzania that's that's really cool yeah um mm-hmm. let me go back to origins for just a second oh, okay um, mm-hmm. what what do you think maybe it is just the upbringing was there anything else you mm. think that gave you the adventurous bug because you could have easily just put it away what is it about traveling and being independent in that way because you've also traveled solo before haven't you yeah, yeah. Before, yeah, before I had uh, the kids, I was in teaching English in Jakarta in Indonesia. That was my first um, solo living abroad experience. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I don't really know. You know, I really think that it's just it, some of it. I think that you, you just you're kind of born with this, you know, or not. You know, I I really did. I saw that there was a study done. Um, oh gosh, it was circulating in one of my travel groups a few years ago on Facebook and they're there they called it like a wanderlust gene or something like that that people mm. who are like me who like to travel who are a little bit more nomadic um that there is actually a gene <laughs> no that, way that differentiates us from others yeah so I don't know because I just feel like I just you know because me and all my my sisters and my brother we all traveled the same you know okay. growing up we all went to, on the same vacations together we all but I'm the only one, you know, that has really decided that, you know, living abroad and staying abroad and traveling, uh, you know, throughout my adult life is something that I want to do. Even though my sister was a flight attendant and they're still, they're all still back in the U.S., you mm-hmm. know. So I don't know. I think you really, it's just something, it's just part of, you know, somebody. You got it or you don't, you know, and there's nothing wrong either way. It's just how it is. Yeah. And so, and so you clearly pass that on to your children. What's it like traveling with youngins? Because I'm here. I'm an adult. I'm with my parents and my youngest brother. He's 23. Yeah. And you're an adult. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, when the kids were smaller, because start, we started this when they were about, I think we went to Bali. They may have been like four and five. Um, that was when we first left the U.S. Okay. Uh, well, you know, we, well, no, we, we lived in the Virgin Islands in Puerto Rico when they were babies. So like we left when my son was six months old. Okay. Um, but, but left the, the, the United States completely, I think they were like four and five or something like that. When they were younger, it was a bit more difficult. And it was really okay. only the, the only difficult part, to be honest with you, was the actual travel was like the actual airplane airport experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, getting to somewhere new once we got there was actually, you know, it really wasn't that bad. Because one of the reasons we left was, you know, that I left is because the kid's dad at the time was working away in Afghanistan. Okay. So I wanted to be able to have domestic help, right, with the kids. And it's and for me in the United States, it was just too expensive. Gotcha. So I wanted, and I wanted to be in the sunshine, I wanted to travel climate i wanted healthier food so i knew from you know living in indonesia before i had the kids that that was one place that i knew and that i knew the language a little bit and i was familiar with that culture so we just went to bali Mm -hmm. and once we got there it was fine because i was able to have um 
you know, a little bit of help with the kids, help with the cleaning and that kind of thing. Um, it's easier to get around, it's the, you know, the cost of living is less. So once we got there, it was fine and the kids were fine and happy to be there. But with the children, when they were smaller, it was definitely the challenge was getting us through the airport, <laughs> yeah. through, you know, through immigration customs all of that to the destination outside of that um my children are pretty happy to 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 see new places you know and new things very happy actually my daughter already has she's 12 she has a list of places that she wants to go when she gets older so she wants to go to mexico and europe and all those things you know a lot of children don't have that experience but uh Mm -hmm. i think it's pretty awesome that they uh that they've been doing that okay let's go to business so you've it mm-hmm. sounds like you've had a lot of interesting jobs you've been a, a teacher you know before i go to business my mom was a teacher as well she actually homeschooled okay. uh my brothers and i uh through high school mm-hmm. Very nice. okay. um what got you into teaching and what was that like uh it was fun you know I got teaching um really i really started teaching just as a way to travel because, you know, when I was in the U.S., I was working uh, in Virginia, in the D- you know, DMV area. I was working at, like, tax right, administration. Right. And uh, one of my coworkers was talking about traveling abroad and living abroad and teaching English. And I knew that you could teach English abroad, but he was just helping me with, like, deciding which country. Because he was saying, oh, if you go to South Korea, you'll do, you know, you're going to be doing a lot of work. Um You'll get paid well, but, you know, it'll be a lot of work. And if you go to Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. you'll be able to work less. So you'll be able to travel around Southeast Asia a bit more. And, you know, the weather is better and all these things. So I took that into consideration and I just started applying to jobs, really, just to see what would happen. And I did. I got hired at EF, at English First in Jakarta. Um, a lot of English teachers, that's their first job if you're in Southeast Asia is English First. They, they hire a lot of first time. Uh, teachers so they put you in a house with the other teachers and you're basically teaching like after school pro it's like an after school program for the kids there so yeah and once i started teaching though i found out that i loved it that's <laughs> it awesome fun. so yeah yeah so that's how i started teaching it really initially started as me just wanting to travel and trying to find a way to do that right. um and get paid to do it yeah. What was your favorite thing about teaching when you discovered like you loved it? It was a passion. Um, it was I loved it because it was something new every day. Okay. You know, so I I can't it's very difficult for me to go into somewhere and be doing the same thing every single day. So, you know, it was different. I had the same classes, but depending on the day it was a different class. And then you know, you get different students' personalities and different questions every right, day. Right. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. What inspired you to transition to entrepreneurship or was that something you dabbled in or already been doing over the course of your life? Yeah, I'd already been um, like doing that. I'd already been like creating um, when I left by that time, was I making jewelry? Um, Yeah, but I had already been, you know, painting or, you know, making jewelry, selling it here and there, you know, so I'd always, you know, that was always a part of, you know, me anyways so what's that like setting up a business when you're traveling abroad and it's moving with you um now it's much easier (laughs) um than it was then i don't think 
Um, when did I set up the? You know, actually, no. Well, I think, yeah, at the time um, when Etsy came, I don't know if you know what Etsy is. Etsy I'm is familiar, like a yeah. it's like a website where you can. Okay, okay. So I started seriously selling my things on Etsy. Okay. Um, I think when the kids were were babies, and that wasn't it wasn't so bad. You know, and then it's kind of easy. It's it's just a little difficult. You know, you have to pack all of your, you know, whatever. If you're selling a product, you have to, you know, take it with you wherever right. you go. And that that was the issue is is shipping, and and that kind of thing. Uh, Southeast Asia wasn't so it wasn't as complicated as it can be here sometimes on the continent to ship things, right. as you probably know by now. Yes, ma'am. And expensive. So, um, yeah. That that was really for me. That was really the only really the serious complication I had was the shipping issue when I when I came to the continent. But other than that, it was pretty easy. If you can if you can you know setting up a website these days is pretty easy. Um, you know, so yeah. Nice. Not not too difficult. Yeah. What inspired the? So it sounds you're come across as a very artsy artsy person very decorated yeah. you also you know feature a lot of art um in your videos going to different cultural either centers or um mm -hmm. events people have like you like to showcase a lot of that have you always yeah. been a very artsy person at heart and is that where the idea oh, to make jewelry yeah. come from yeah i've always been this way awesome. <laughs> i've always been yeah in, into the arts and you know um, my degree is in Pan-African studies and the focus right. is on arts, culture, and literature. So, you know, I've always been, um, yeah, this has been a way of life for me. So when I did have my business in Pittsburgh, um, it was called Culture Clause and it was a fair trade handmade community. So I had, when I was on Etsy, I was a part of um, a group of women called the Handmade Collective of Black Women. So they were all mm. making their own clothing. They were making, selling it. They were making jewelry, furniture, anything you could think of. So I thought, well, why don't I just put a store together where people can come and buy these things like physically, you know? And so that's right. where I started in Pittsburgh. And then I moved that store to Bali. So okay. the physical location, I closed it in Pittsburgh and reopened it in Bali, Indonesia. So, yeah. And so no matter where I am, I always try to make um, the arts and artisans outside of myself. I always try to focus on those things because I just, I'm always just amazed by the things that people can create with their hands. It's, you know, so coming from the U.S., you know, where a lot of things are manufactured in, in mm -hmm. facilities and, you know, stuff like that. It's just really amazing to me that people can create all of these beautiful things, um, just with their two hands or whatever you know and whatever the creativity they have so yeah gotcha so you collaborate yeah. with with others or showcase their talents yeah. as well mm -hmm. that's really yeah. cool do you have a is it meditative i want to say i know the answer is yes when you're handcrafting what you make do you get into of a course. zone when you're yeah. what's what's that yeah. like the art of making that's great um for me you know since i've been on the continent I actually can get more into the design process because when I was in the US, I was actually like earrings like this, I would I would design it and I would make it by hand and all that. I don't, what I do now is design. I design and I can find somebody I can collaborate with who can make it. So I can actually design more uh, elaborate items than I probably would be able to do in the United States because I just have access to people who are more skilled, right? 
and creating. So now I can really get into my like my creative process. That um, always almost always involves music, <laughs> some music and some incense, and <laughs> um, yeah, that's usually it. And, and if I could get quiet time away from the children, but um, that's it. I usually get music and incense, maybe some tea or something. That's and awesome. I usually just yeah sit there and just kind of zone out and draw what you know I, what's in my mind you know wow yeah that's cool and yet for all those listening the she can describe them a little better I'll attempt to the earrings she's referencing are these really cool black hoop earrings is there any mm-hmm. other did I did yeah. I cover that about right what are they made well, of um, they're made of ebony um, wood. So an ebony ebony wood, wood like gemstones has kind of a spiritual uh, meaning too. So ebony, ebony wood, some people call it mahogany, um, is known to be um, like a protective energy, right? And these are Maasai, this is Maasai beading. So these are Maasai beads right here. They're gold. And this is brass. This Every piece of this is handmade. So this brass part was handmade by a brother in Tanzania. Um, the beading is the Maasai bees. This was, you know, all of this was handmade, every piece of it. I drew it and designed it and, you know, and worked with the with the artisans there to get it done. What other pieces do you design that people can can find when they look you up? Um, well, I have some clothing. I have some of the things are not on the website as of right now because they're in the container on the way here. <laughs> so they're you know, between you know, things coming from Tanzania and getting to Ghana, all of my things should be here next week. So within the coming weeks, I'll have everything back on the website. Um, but I do, for me personally, I, um, I have jewelry on the website, like earrings, necklaces, um, clothes, all different kinds of clothing, um, I think. And of course, my book and workbook. So, yeah. And there's also t-shirts. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't hand make these. These are obviously they're, they're drop shipped, but okay. like I do design it's, you know, the t-shirts. So yeah, nice. t-shirts and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. She's, uh, we're on zoom guys. You know how I do. So she's rocking a really cool dark Africa theme tee with the uh, pan-African colors and everything. And she, that's, that's cool. So you can look forward to those on her store yeah. as well. Um, Guys, I hope you're enjoying this. We're just going to take a little break and then we'll be right back with more with Rukia McNair. This episode of Josiah's Voice Podcast is brought to you by Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural, smooth human voice. It won't be my voice, but no app is perfect, but this one's pretty close. Because for the first time in the history of the internet, the entire web becomes listenable. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, science, to Bitcoin, or pop culture and movies. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And they have podcasts as well, exploring trending podcasts from over 50 countries. Like this one. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me. That's www.newsly.me. Or from the link in the description and use promo code J0S1AHV01CE. Josiah's voice, get it? Again, that's J0S1AHV01CE. 
A-H-V-0-1-C-E. I'll put that in the description for you. When you click it, you'll receive a one-month free premium subscription to Newsly. Stop scrolling. Start listening with Newsly. Hey, everybody. We're back with Rukia. So jumping right back in, Rukia, if you if someone were to be like, just, I don't know, hype up the art, the art form, what's your favorite thing mm-hmm. about artistic expression? I, I like the honesty in it. You know, I, I kind of look at a lot of like just the arts in general as um, truth tellers, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I like about it. That's what I like, and it's because it's very necessary, you know. In a in a time when the it's so uh, the media is so um, like the news media is so prevalent in people's lives, and a lot of things are not necessarily true, and you don't know. But when you get to like these grassroots kind of like artisans and artists and musicians, all kinds of different forms of art, I think that there was a lot of truth in in, in a lot of it. Even if it's not your truth, it's the truth of the time. You know, so I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. reflecting it back to I think connecting it to your point earlier about um, how did you put it? I think you, did you say showcasing other artists or yes. art forms? I think yeah. it's just reflecting that back where wherever you're at um, in your art and in yeah. your business. Is there anything else you can add about your mm-hmm. process when it comes to your business? Like a typical day, you mentioned you got to have your tea, you got to have your music. What's a typical day like for you yeah. as an artist and um, businesswoman? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that depends on the day. <laughs> you know, I have two children too. So, I mean, my day, you know, it's, I have to get them off to school first. And there's like a whole thing that real life things I have to do. And then depending on the day, there may be, you know, uh, like this it might be an interview. You know, it just, it just depends on the day. You know, I'm, I'm working on... A second book so sometimes it that you know it's it's a bit of writing sometimes it's a bit of drawing out you know some designs with some of the new artisans i'm going to be that i'm working with here uh it really the date it just depends you know on on you know if, if i have to go grocery shopping that day <laughs> or not you know like what what happened mm-hmm. you know so i try to do something every day though that is working towards melanin migration yeah. That's no matter awesome. what it is, there's like at least one thing every day that I, that I can do, you know, whether it is, you know, just doing some promoting for the consulting or, you know, whatever it is, you know, but something more artistic based, just, you know, something every day that works towards the business. So. Nice. Does, does discipline or structure play a role at all or as best as it can? Because you're right. Every day yeah. is different. Yeah. It is. Um, at the moment, I'm just trying to survive <laughs> and keep my sanity because yeah. we're still in transition with this move. Gotcha. Because uh, I'm still not even in permanent housing. So we're not moving to our permanent house till next week. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So um, once I we can get to the permanent housing and get the kids, um, then we'll be close enough to the school for the bus to come. And so we'll, we'll be able to get into a groove. The bus comes, you know, then the kids will be off. And then, you know, we'll get into a nice little, you know, routine like we were back Rhythm, in Tanzania. Yeah. And then I can get back to the, you know, the everyday, the routine of things. But right now I'm just kind of winging it a little bit until we can get, you know, more settled. Any advice to artists, especially traveling artists like yourself? Mm -hmm. Is there any maybe one single piece of advice you'd give them 
as they try to um, get settled or find routines and still create? Yeah. I have a few pieces of advice, but one thing I would okay. say is just to be patient with yourself. I've been working on that with, with myself, you know, because it is, it is difficult for me to, to not have a routine. It was very nice in Tanzania when we were able to settle into, okay. you know, this kind of everyday routine, but it's difficult. It's been, you know, kind of difficult for me to wrap my mind around, you know, so, you know, one day I might have to go look for, you know, appliances to buy for the new house. And the next day I have to, you know, drop the kids off and go to the grocery store the next day. You know, it's just, it's different because I have so many different things that still need to be done. Um, outside of uh, creating things at the, at the moment. So just trying to give myself some grace and, uh, you know, knowing that I'm still trying to settle and we're still in, in transition um, here. But as far as um, being an artist goes and traveling, the most important thing you can do is network. For me, that's how I was able to get this, the jewelry done that I, that I was able to get done. And to be nice. able to um, work with others, which is something I did not really do in the United States <laughs> um, as far as my artistic process. But I've really learned coming to the continent. That's one thing that it has taught me is uh, community, especially coming to Ghana. Um, community is uh, something that I really have to be patient with and I had to really learn. Yeah. So you can't be an island unto yourself or at least no, not for long you can you can if you know but it, it, you will be much more successful <laughs> um you know yeah. you'll be much more successful if, if you are working with others yeah for sure was that an easy thing for you to do like networking with different people in different countries um because we all got to find a tribe somewhere. I thought yeah. about that when I moved to LA yeah. um, for the first time. I had yeah. a few friends that were out there. That was a blessing. And then um, we yeah. had a few friends when we moved here to Rhonda. That's always been yeah. a blessing. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Was that a challenge for you or was that something um, easy? No, because you know what I found when I was living in Bali? You know, if, if you don't have a community where you're at, then start one. You know, <laughs> like exactly. I did that. I started, okay. There was, um, you know, if you look at, if you're on Facebook and you go to the groups, um, I don't know how popular they are now, but like, uh, if you look up brothers and sisters of whatever country it is, whatever area, it'll usually pop up whatever the black people are in that area. So I started the brothers and sisters of Indonesia when I was there. Nice. And so I was kind of able to bring people to me. You know what I mean? I was kind of able to yeah. create that. So, Be that nucleus. Um, yeah. So, you know, if, 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 if I can't find it, then I'll, I'll try and find a way to create it, you know? Yeah, for sure. But it's, it's definitely important to, um, I think, you know, your long-term success in, in whatever new country you're going to, just to find your people, you know? Any highlights or lessons learned mm -hmm. and encouragement to yeah. Black travelers? One lesson was that the scariest place you will probably be is the United States of America. So leaving the United States, you will find most places are much more safe, much more welcoming, much more respectful um, of you and your blackness than it will ever be in the United States. Mm. So I get that question a lot. 
about yeah. uh, do they like black people in you know like Indonesia? Do they like black yeah. people there? Is it safe? I'm like one of the most dangerous places on the planet is the United States. So no, where you wherever you go, most likely you're going to be more safe. First of all, <laughs> second of all, um, you know the racism that we deal with in the U.S. We're accustomed to it and used to it. I feel like we don't even realize that it is having the uh, effect on us that it has, you know, emotionally and, and all of that until you leave right, and then right, you realize right. that a lot of people are not judging you off strictly off the basis of, you know, of the color of your skin. It is something to really get used to. Um, and you have to be prepared for that. Also, you have to be open to understanding that you're going, there's a lot of unlearning that's going to happen when you leave the United States as well, you know? You're going to have to, I remember I got pulled Good over word. by the police in Tanzania and I almost had, like, I almost just had a meltdown in the car, but the brother just came over to see if I was okay. How are you doing today? Where are you going? Are you okay? Okay. Yeah. Have a nice day. I seriously was almost brought to tears because I just, in the United, I didn't realize how ingrained that experience is of being terrified of the police in the United States you know and then coming somewhere where you know you don't you don't have to live that way anymore just having just just that in that second i just finally had that realization and it's just something that you have to be open to dealing with you know and to learning yourself yeah. and to and to unlearning those things you know yeah if, it's if a I, process <laughs> it is a process if i can interrupt real quick um because yeah. you said something there um mm -hmm. here and you would have experienced this your time in Rwanda. Mm. Um, nice. Yeah. Not that I didn't meet nice cops in the States. Uh, I, right. I have a distant yeah. relative who was a police officer, yeah. had a, a friend in, yeah. you know, in yeah. church, you know, he became a cop, you know, yeah. but um, here, you know, they had, you know, checkpoints to go into the shopping mall or, or leaving uh, customs mm -hmm. and things like that. And so far, my, yeah. our experience has just been pristine. It's like, you know, they're, they're, it's wild to like see like yep. guns holding police officers. That's how big they mm -hmm. are sometimes. <laughs> but they're, uh, they're the nicest people and they'll, you know. And, you know, we're still managing COVID and things like that. And so you might, you know, go through a checkpoint, mm -hmm. take off your electronics, you go through the the meter and they'll, you know, be like, hi, how are you today? Um, you know, squirt some uh, hand sanitizer in your hands. You take your stuff. If you don't know the language, they'll give you a little greeting or try yeah. to, you know, teach you right there or joke with you. And I'm just like, what? Because mm -hmm. to your point, yeah, you know, I've been, I've been... You know, I grew up in the States and like you say, you get used mm -hmm. to those negative, those negative aspects and yeah. you don't realize, sometimes you don't realize it until you're out of it. Like my dad likes to say right. of different situations in life, you can't read when you're, when you live on the inside of a bottle or a jar, you can't accurately yes. read the label on the outside because you're inside oh. of it. Exactly. You know, and so I, you know, it's it's I've I've experienced you know uh, being dealing with you know university police at you know when I graduated mm -hmm. like a week out because someone played a prank and I fit the description and it was like you know get on the ground oh, and, all, and all of that you know and wow, or my dad has dealt with 
you know, another misunderstanding. Somebody, he, they thought he was holding my brothers and I hostage with a sword or something. And it's, no, he was just, what? he was just writing a song on his guitar as he's known to do yeah. of his friends and family in the living room. And some nosy yeah. neighbor was looking in and thought, oh my God, the children. And it's like, what? You know, and a SWAT came, wow. you know, my other brother has, you know, had a gun put in his face while shooting a music video with his friend. And it's mm -hmm. just all that, you know, didn't mean to overwhelm you or the listenership with this, but it's, you know, varied <laughs> yeah, experiences. That's how yeah, that's how yeah. that's how real and you don't. So, no, I don't I don't fault you at all for having a little bit of a breakdown living your mm -hmm. life like it's golden in an African country and then right. the police and you're like, oh my gosh, sirens or a uniform or a badge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Goodness. Um, mm -hmm. I just had to put that in there to, you know, a little bit of a appreciation yeah. the past, at the time of this recording, five months here and just a different energy for, for mm -hmm. sure. Uh, dealing with some of the authorities yeah. here. I'm not saying it's perfect or anything like that. That's just been Right. my experience thus far um mm -hmm. any additional um gems or lessons that you learned while traveling black because we deserve to to see the world and i'm just so inspired to yeah. have you on the show to be here with my mm -hmm. be in africa with my family and my other friends and family who are also happen to be black and just living our yeah. best lives would you have any more you'd like to elaborate on with that um, I think that's it. I think that, yeah. you know, um, the unlearning and just being open to change because it's not always going to be easy. It's going to be up and down some days. You have to be prepared for that. But I think one of the biggest things people can do is um, is to learn, try to learn yourself and try and learn to listen to your intuition. Um, yeah. Because that will take you very far in a new country when you don't know the language. You know, so... Very yeah, good. I think that's it. Mm -hmm. Very good. Do you do you have a favorite cultural touchstone like music or food or mm -hmm. style of dress? Um, mu music and food. <laughs> I know that's right. Music and food. Um, and then I would say clothing after that. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things about being in Tanzania. It's a bit different than I think Kigali and here, um, in the way that a lot of the women, most of the women there wear traditional, um, they wear kitenge, like with wax print, you know, dresses and clothing. So it was, I just love, you know, I would just be driving around like, oh, look at her dress. Look at that, <laughs> you know, all the right, time. Right. So um, that was one of my favorite things. I had a lot of clothing made in Kigali. Here it's a bit different in, in Accra where people, um, uh, the way of dress is more Western, quote unquote, West, you know, right, uh, right, right. You know, jeans and t-shirts. You know, kind of like the stuff we wear in the United States. So. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. cool. And in fact, let's talk about that. What's your so far? You're still adjusting. Mm -hmm. Anything yeah. really stand out about now being in Ghana? Mm -hmm. Oh, so many things. Um, you know, that's why that's why I moved us here. One thing that I guess it has been different from all the places where we've lived is that in Accra, um, English is spoken, right? Okay. So it's very okay. easy for us to navigate. That's the worst thing. It's very easy for us to navigate. And because, you know, in Tanzania, it was Kiswahili, but I was learning Kiswahili. That's mm -hmm. why I was there. I was on a student visa to learn. But, you know, it's just it's, it's really nice to be here and to, to be able to communicate with folks, you know, um, how you want to. Yeah. Um, although I'll be learning 
a few different languages here soon. My fiance speaks Tui and he speaks Hausa. Nice. So I'll be learning those things very soon. But um, I will say that is one thing. But just in general of like uh, the way that the spiritual aspects of the, it seems like on the West side here on the West side of, the, uh, of Africa, it is just more open. I feel like on the East, it was the traditional religion and spirituality was kind of, you had to dig for it. If you had to go out into the villages and you had to go, you're not gonna go to Dar and see like here, they have like herbalist, traditional herbalist uh, clinics, traditional medicine university here. Gotcha. Like, you're not gonna see that in, in Dar, you know what I mean? So um, here is, is a bit different in that way. And I can feel it because I feel much more connected to here than I did to Tanzania in the East side. Gotcha. So just spiritually, immediately, as soon as I came here, I visited in November. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to move here is because I just felt so spiritually connected to here. So that is the other thing. And the other thing, just like the basic things, food is delicious. <laughs> you know, the jollof rice and the, the fish and the, I still gotta try the banku the rice. and the fufu, all of that. Yeah. Oh, it's delicious. Okay. It's so good here. Yeah. Is, um, food, sorry, and, real, sorry, real quick. The fufu is—is is that the um the white dish that you pull apart for like sauces and things? Yeah. So there's different. So there's fufu, okay. there's banku, and there's kenki. There's there's like three different ones. There's probably more than gotcha. that. It's similar to like um and there's ugali in Rwanda. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. You have ugali there? I think it's we like, have that here. Like I've had ugali. that. Okay. Because it's like yeah. made from powder and water, or li that's one of the ways anyway? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Yes. So that's how the ugali is made. Here it's banku. Is like, it's like, it's the same thing, actually. It's just fermented a little bit. Okay. So. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you were, okay, but, sorry yeah, to interrupt. So you were. Different options for that. Yeah. So that, so the food, the, you know, um, and there is just a liveliness here that I didn't really, um, that I didn't really um experienced so much in Tanzania like yeah, I, it's hard to explain so it was kind of like Kigali is very calm and serene and then you get to Tanzania and it's a little bit more life you know it's a little bit more things okay. going on and then here is just um it's 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 it reminds me of us you know at home like black folks in the states kind of you know we're very lively okay. people we like to laugh yeah. play and joke and you know and have fun and you know work hard and that's kind of that's you know how I feel about here, so but I feel very at home. That's good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. That's yeah. that's great. And so the, <laughs> and then the transition. The kids really like it as well. Does it really, really they agrees with them do. as well? Especially yes. education wise, because you were does. talking about school and things. Yeah. So the schooling here is much for and for for my children. I found that the schooling here is much uh, better for them. Uh, so they're really enjoying the school that they're at. Um, they're at an international school, a pretty large international school. So they're they're adjusting because the school they were in in Tanzania was a little smaller, a lot smaller. Hmm. Um, and I did an interview with the, with the principal of the school they were at in Tanzania. That was on my YouTube channel, actually. I saw that. So that was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay. So it was a brother, a brother from from the from California, actually. That's right. The principal now. Um, wow. at the school. Yeah, it was a really good interview. So. The school I'm at now, the kids are at now, they really enjoy it. Um, they like it here, though, because, you know, they're almost teenagers. So they want to go to the mall. Not that there weren't malls in Dar, but, you know, here it's a bit more 
they'll find more things that are um, similar to the U.S., right? So the malls, uh, that is one thing. So there's more malls here and there's more stores in them that they kind of are familiar to them or restaurants here that are more familiar to them, you know? So um, they really do love it here. They really like it here. That's good. Good so, for them. That's yeah. right. So they're finding they, they their... also yeah, they miss the beach, you know, the beach life in, in Dar. But you know, there is big city life now, so they're they're yeah. getting used to it. And yeah, they're they're liking it a lot. That's good. Yeah. That's good. To um mm-hmm. I thought of something else regarding business. Um mm-hmm. any advice you would give people people starting business, whether it's where they have overhead such as yourself or whether maybe it's remote or anything, any advice yeah. maybe as it pertained to working with the government in any way or doing research on where you live? So is that your business is, you know? Yeah. So all of those things are important, but I, I always encourage people to go to whatever country you're going to and get settled first. You need to get settled and, and learn that culture and the people where you're going to be living first. I don't recommend anybody starting a business before the first year, okay. you know, because you really need to learn people, especially if you're hiring people to work for you. You need to learn how them people work, you know, because it's different everywhere you go. You know, every country I've lived in, people have different ethics when it comes to working, you know. And so you need to be aware of those things and you only learn those things through time. It takes time and to, and to build the relationships you're going to need for the business that you want. It all that takes time. So first, don't worry about business so much. Get, save your money, get yourself settled, you know, learn the culture, you know, learn what's needed, what's not needed as far as business. But that's not something I ever encourage anyone to rush into unless you're coming to a place where you already have a business, a business that is online or something like that, you know, that's already been established. But if you're coming somewhere and starting something new, take your time. It's not a mm-hmm. rush. You know? Yes. Yeah. I, I was watching yeah. one video where someone, um, I forgot who it was, but the advice was great. They said, settle, you know, go at your own pace. Cause some people, mm-hmm. um, They'll move to another country, be it somewhere in Africa, and they might not do yeah. anything. By that, anything, they mean business or something for maybe six to eight yeah. months. Everyone's pace is... Yeah, yeah, it's different, yeah. It's it's different. Um, and that's assuming, mm-hmm. you know, you your savings were on point or whatever the right, case exactly. was. So that you weren't stressed and weren't strapped for cash or something right. like that um, as soon as you, as you landed. But it's very important to get settled and not rush. Um, was it easy for you and your children to do that? Coming, I mean, like me, you grew up in the States. Yeah. You traveled more than mm-hmm. I did, but you still, you know, your point about the police and just some of those yeah. anxieties. Did you feel that anxiety to, you know, okay, I got to be doing something. I got to, or was it easy to kind I'm of settle like in? No, I mean, I, I mean, the, whether, no matter where I'm at, I'm always like, I have some kind of anxiety Charged about up. producing and creating things, you know? And I don't know, you know, I, I follow this account on Instagram called the Nat Ministry. And it really oh, yeah, got me to good. thinking if, the, yeah, and that got me to thinking is that the capitalism that's been ingrained in me to feel like I always need to produce, even if it is something creative, you know, so that got, you know, so that I've been rethinking that. So since I've been here, I've been trying to uh, make it an intentional effort to do nothing sometimes, 
you know, but I, I do that. put that pressure on myself. Like I need to be creating something. I need to be writing something out, you know, like, why am I like this? Like, why am I putting this own pressure, this pressure on myself, to, you know, and just creating anxiety for myself? Like, why am I doing that? And I think a lot of that is ingrained as Americans. We are ingrained to be always producing and working and, you know, so um, I do, I do do that quite and I'm trying to stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No, because yeah. you got to get just that hustle mentality. Yeah. And it's definitely ingrained in like, you know, my generation, even people younger. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm sure you're, you've seen it. Maybe it was Nap Ministry yeah. on IG, but yeah. they're like, guys, you can find a hobby or a thing that doesn't have to be monetized. You've probably you've seen yes, those I memes here and yes. there. Um, because yeah. like I was telling you, you know, and some of you who have listened, you know, Josiah's voice podcast started off as a hobby and, and kind of has has been, you know, I've learned things about Anchor and Spotify and, you know, you can monetize a little bit here and there. But I was like, even if I didn't have that option or AdSense or any of that, I'd still do it because it's fun. You yeah, know, exactly. exactly. It's, it's fun to yep. meet. You know, doing it, I came out of myself like two years ago. I wouldn't have thought, oh, yeah, I could talk to, you know, Rukia McNair or I could talk to the, the you know, the author of Save the Cat Rights for TV, you know, in the film industry and things. I never would have thought I could do that. But by just yeah taking it easy, thankfully, even taking it easy in the States as best as I could, because we still got control. You can still do that. Um, mm -hmm. It'll just look different. But it's got to be, right. it's got to be fun or there's got to be a sense of enjoyment. You don't got to, you know, file a, a W-2 for every single idea right. <laughs> or 1099 exactly. that, that comes exactly. to mind. Mm -hmm. So you're on YouTube. We've touched on it. Uh, melanin yeah. migration. When yeah. the world inspired you to put your life on YouTube? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I ask myself that question all the time. Uh, goodness. I think it started, I don't know why. You know, it was because, you know, when we were in Thailand, we were all House Hunters International when we were there. Oh, that's right. And yeah, and it was after that that I started thinking, like, maybe, you know, when we do get to the continent at some point, I will start my YouTube then because I really wanted to inspire us to just like I have been, I've been inspired and helping us, you know, helping us to get wherever we want to go at that point. But especially people were just contacting me mostly because they wanted to go to Thailand and Bali. Those are the places that I have been. Um, but when I get to the continent, you know, after this episode airs, I, you know, that was when I released the book. And that is kind of how it started with the book. And I said, well, you know, I really want people to see what life is like on the continent and maybe it will inspire some people to come. And that's how it started. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's that's really cool because it's really helped people. I said it helped me as well. And it's like you got to see, especially black folks, you got to see like the boots on the ground. You got to see yeah, exactly. the, buy, yeah, the buying of property, the pros and cons and everything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. You seem like a very easygoing, laid back person. How do you approach yeah. YouTube, especially with the, I guess, mm -hmm. the growing trend of travel vloggers and things like that? There's a lot of different, yeah. different styles. What's your approach mm -hmm. and how do you stay true to yourself as you live your life and use YouTube mm -hmm. as like a platform. Yeah. 
That's a good question. Um, yeah, I try my best to, you know, I just want it to come across as me being me, which is what I do. Like, I don't do anything performative. I'm not like, you know, um, you know, I just try to have when I was doing interviews, because there was a time when I was doing interviews in Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Um, I just try to be honest with people and just, you know, because if you're yourself, especially when you're interviewing folks like that, they'll also feel like they can be themselves too, right. you know? So I think that's important. And I think that for me, I always know when you're watching stuff, you know, when somebody's being fake, like everybody, like, you know, people don't give themselves enough credit. So you, it kind of, when you're authentic and you're being your genuine self, it comes across through, through the camera as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's very important. So that's what I try to do is just, keep it as real as possible and without telling too much of my business. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's it. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's easy to kind of get caught up in like, I think about that sometimes with the podcast as well. Granted it's, um, yeah. just, you know, just audio, but still, you know, how much to share and mm-hmm. to make sure that it's as authentic as, possible you know yeah. sometimes the internet's a little weird sometimes i get tongue tied you know mm-hmm. things that just still make it you know we're just still people just enjoying an exchange of ideas and and things like that yeah because um, youtube's always changing or there's algorithms or there's it is. It is. something got demonetized you know whatever and it's it can, it can kind mm-hmm. of be from the little bit i know um it can yeah. be, be a little bit of of a lot um and so that's great yeah. that you're able to stay grounded i guess like that you know yeah um, yeah i try to yeah what um what inspired you to reach out and interview people yourself uh, especially back to that point of like interviewing the principal of the school yeah. and things that was really cool I, yeah i just thought it was interesting like the series that i did on just arrived i was interviewing mm-hmm. people who had just arrived to tanzania maybe like within the last two or three months because i always like even it started because you know, when I would just seek people out, we would just have these really good conversations about what did they think of Tanzania and how it was going. And I just thought it would be really interesting and helpful for those who were trying to come there to not just see my point of view, because I'm just one person, everybody is so different. So to see what other people, you know, what they thought about, you know, their experience thus far as well. So that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, And then I thought it was a good idea to showcase some of the Tanzanian businesses, like the sister who was making my clothes, mm-hmm. uh, Mariana, uh, her boutique and collection. She's a designer there and she has her own boutique. And I just thought she was so amazing, you know, um, and her business sense was just really just I just really just thought she was so great. So I'd interviewed her as well. And then the teacher, who I thought the principal who was originally from Tanzania. Mm-hmm. And but grew up, you know, in the States, spent a lot of time in the US and taught there when the principal there. I just thought that was a really interesting and unique story as well. Yes. So and I was so thankful that he even agreed and the school agreed to let him uh, be interviewed for YouTube because that's kind of, it's not um, you know, you don't always have schools that are willing to do that kind of thing for social media. So I was mm-hmm. really appreciative of that. That's cool. And you hadn't you also interviewed some of your friends? That you'd made in your travels. Yeah, of course. How? What yeah, was that like? Especially, my yeah. Oh, 
that was a, that was great. That was probably like the best. That was one of my favorite interviews I did with my friend uh, Haji. We, you know, we were all in Tanzania and uh, Thailand together. Yeah, Thailand. And then him and you know another friend of mine, Hassan, they ended up in in Tanzania for a while, and I got to interview them. That was like one of my favorites. It was just so much fun, so much fun. And just like in real life, though, it's, it's fun when you when you see other people in other countries, and then yeah. you're in a new country and you see each other again. There was just like a feeling that you know that you get. I just really yeah. can't explain. Um, that is just you know uh, the familiarity and the you know it's just it's really nice. It's really really nice. That's cool. That that reunion energy that you know that shared yeah. history and like checking. It's like oh you're doing well. You know or is there any help you need yeah. with anything or just but you've got that familiarity. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, the, the help too. Is there any help you need? What can I? How can I make your stay more comfortable? Um, you know it, it's it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. In yeah. fact. Is there a way, maybe one way, um, on both ends mm. that you remember someone helped you and your family and your travels, and then uh, a point when you were able to help someone? Yeah, I mean, you know, in Tanzania, there's a sister. Um, her business is actually called Curious on Tanzania. Her name is Justa. Yes, and I like her channel. I think I, you know Justa. Yeah. 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 So she does a bit, a little bit of YouTube. She does some, a lot of Instagram. Um, but she does tours and, and all of that stuff too in Tanzania. And I knew her from my travel groups on Facebook. And so I reached out when we got to Tanzania and she helped me in the very beginning so much. I think we ended up staying in one of her places for Airbnb. Um, you know, I, she just helped me through so many situations there. And it, it was just really, really nice to have that. Cause I didn't really have that when I moved to other places, you know, cause for me, I just get up and move somewhere. Like I, I personally don't really need somebody there. Right. Gotcha. Um, for assistance. So I can just, I've checked that as kind of like figure stuff out on my own. Outside of her, um, when I first got to Tanzania, um, that was pretty much it. And it was, I'm so thankful. And, and you know, that was when it, the light yeah. bulb kind of came on like, wow, like if I could help other people in this way, you know, to, you know, however I can, you know, so that the YouTube was part of that, you know, but like, but the YouTube is also more about me just sharing what i got going on you know and if you can take something from yeah. that if you're trying to come there then then you know we can do that too but the book um that i wrote melanin migration the black family's guide to moving abroad was to help people um kind of you know through the very basic people who haven't really gone abroad at all and they're ready to move it'll help you through that it'll help you through that but yeah i've tried you know i try my best in my day-to-day -to, -day to help folks answer people's dms and messages and mm -hmm. emails and stuff like that it's important it's important Nice. For sure, to have that kind of uh, support, yeah, and to be able to give it as well. And I, I also like how you, um, to you mentioned with YouTube, you know, make sure all your business isn't mm -hmm. out there and being grounded. <laughs> yeah. I like how you, you know, when I guess you operate seasonally. Like I think one of your accounts mm -hmm. was public, but now you're like, no, it's time to make that private, but you guys can go over here. Yeah. Or I can't mm -hmm. answer these questions anymore because it's I've answered yeah. them. You know, there I have I playlists or something. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I try to make that clear. Like, you know, my personal uh, YouTube page, I may make it, I mean, my Instagram page, I would make it, make, make, uh, make it public again later. But like, you know, for so long, I was public and, and that was where people were going to after they saw the, the house hunters. And sure. I, was, I was just, it got to a point where I was just like, I do still want to share with y'all. But, you know, I would like to be able to be in control of like, a little bit more, you know, mm -hmm. of my privacy and stuff like that. So, you know, I have the melanin migration Instagram. It is public. Um, 
And so uh, that's, you know, that's for that. And my yeah. personal page is for what it's for. And I do, I'm very clear about letting people know I do not answer visa questions. I do not answer questions about how much things are, um, you know, just because everybody is different. And far, as far as visas, you can, uh, that, that information kind of, in these countries, it changes so frequently, it especially does. with COVID. I don't want to give people the wrong information. So you can go look that up on your own and, you know, and figure and figure that out. But like, yeah, I'm not the one to be answering those kind of questions. But that's great to be able to, it's like, okay, yeah. I, I can't do that anymore. But here's a resource. Here's Google. Here's another YouTube channel. Yeah. Here's someone. Because yeah. even to the point like somebody you made else, of, yeah. or somebody else, everyone, I don't have all the answers mm -hmm. sway. <laughs> but right. someone else yeah. might have it. And to your point, you know, Corona won't last always. But it's like, um, it does inspire others to be as independent as they can or to bring that's definitely something my family did. My dad definitely picked up on it quickly, um, mm -hmm. us moving in the times of Corona, because like yeah. you said, with the visa, things change all the time. So um, they do. Yeah. it kind of reminded me because he used to, he's retired. He worked for the government. And um, sometimes mm -hmm. I would work in D.C. with certain jobs. Um, but I'm sure you saw this on like public transit, you know, that idea of plan B dexterous. Yes. You know, just. <laughs> Just be ready. And it that came to yeah. mind when we were planning our trip, especially yeah. when it came to COVID or the passport or whatever. It was just like we yes. had to, it could be a little overwhelming. You know, fast forward yeah. to now. I'm here now. You're where you're yeah. in Accra. Now you've traveled. Mm -hmm. You can do it. Yeah. And I guess just be a little ruthless in a your in your prioritizing <laughs> so that you don't get yeah there you go yes i like the way you said that exactly like swept yeah. up because we we dealt with fedex like fedex was like you know oh mm -hmm. we can't we can't at the embassy we can't take it it's contactless but it wasn't on the website and so that caused right. a whole bunch of issues for my dad and i and just you know we're talking to friends and it all it clearly got worked out yeah Right. But just you got to be as uh, as plan B dexterous and as prioritized as as you can in these days. Hopefully it'll yeah. change and maybe you can rest right. on your laurels soon. But then by then, maybe you'll be ready to go. You know, you just got to mm -hmm. you just got to be ready. So, um, so I just I just love that 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 uh, healthy survival instinct that I've seen on your yeah. on your social media, or on your YouTube. Um, and I think it's it's a blessing. Um well, Rukia, this this has been great. Um, can you guys, you can follow her on YouTube at the Melanin Migration. Um, can you share yeah. any of your other socials where people are welcome to follow your website, things like yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, melaninmigration.com. You can find uh, me there. You can find if you look under the news section there, you can find some of the other interviews, and you can find the link to my HGTV. Um, the House Hunters episode we did some years ago. You can find the BBC um, documentary that I did that I was part of too. This is all there under the news section on my website. There are some things left in the store. Um, again, I'll have more things in the store when my container gets here next week. But you can get all the t-shirt, all the logo items, you know, t-shirts, sweatshirts, that kind of stuff is all there uh, for right now. Uh, what else? Instagram Melanin underscore migration for that. And I think that's it. Awesome. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun, Rukia. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. And guys, uh, to everyone listening, uh, I hope you took uh, some gems. I hope you took some much needed advice. Um, you know, take what works, leave, leave what doesn't. Everyone's 
artistic, entrepreneurial, and traveling journey will look different, and that's that's totally fine. But I hope you enjoyed um, listening to what worked for Rukia, and if you find some overlap, more power to you. Um, hope you've enjoyed this interview, guys. Uh, I've enjoyed talking to Rukia, and uh, if you like this, uh, stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. Until then, I'll talk to y'all later. Peace. Thank you guys for tuning in to Josiah's Voice, the podcast. Subscribe on all listening platforms and you can keep up with the show on social media by following at Josiah's Voice Pod on all social media. And keep up with the show on the blog. Subscribe at the blog at www.josiahsvoicepodcast.wordpress.com for all the show notes for each and every episode. And if you like my theme music, the song is called Emotion. It's by Mateo. Subscribe to him on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks, guys.